1: Jones Barron
0: He's got it England have won the World Cup By the barest of margins Stokes flashes it away Through the covers for four And England have won the match
1: Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. The second test is now underway, of course, in Adelaide. The day-night test match hasn't gone that well for England, one has to say. If you uh, hadn't heard the score already, uh, the Australian's 220-odd for two after 89 of the 90-overs are completed on a hot day in Adelaide and an even hotter day tomorrow, Simon Mann, apparently. So how how do you size up the situation so far?
0: Well, attritional day's cricket, really. 45 for one at lunch. Australia not losing a wicket in the middle session and then just losing the one wicket in the evening session when Warner slapped a short ball from Stokes to cover, caught by Stuart Broad. He couldn't believe it. I don't think anyone could believe it, actually. He sort of... Took a while to get off. Harris out early, caught down the leg side from a short ball off Stuart Broad, recalled to the side along with James Anderson. But Labashane he, he rode his luck. He was dropped twice. He played and missed umpteen times. He survived until the close. He's five away from a first Ashes 100 and Steve Smith will be back with him uh, tomorrow, he is 18, not out. But it's a curious day, really. It was almost as if both sides were playing for a nil-nil draw. If you thought in football terms, it's like both sides playing for a nil-nil draw. But, uh, you know, clearly Australia are ahead. I mean, they've got the runs on the board. They've built the foundations. Can they build on them on the second day?
1: Yeah, and it, it's, it was a strange day's cricket, you know, beginning with, obviously, Pat Cummings missing out through uh, connection with a, a, a COVID um a person who was infected by COVID, and I, I hear he's now going to retreat to an Airbnb on the coast of Adelaide because he can't go back to Melbourne until three days before the third test on the twenty-third of December. So it's not going to have give him much time to, to prepare for that uh, bizarre situation. Poor chap! After one test as captain, he's uh, removed. That'll be a, a weird one in 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 sort of going down in the history books. Um, I mean, I thought England actually were quite unlucky overall. Uh, I, I thought they, you know, you're right, uh, Labuschagne played and missed, I think, 20 times. And he was obviously dropped twice as well. Uh, those drops, oh dear. I mean, they're really, again, it's it's the same, it's a deja vu, isn't it? The, the number of times we talk about England in the ashes, especially in Australia, missing chances. And you can't afford to do that. I thought Labuschagne played really well and it, he's... He's an interesting player to watch, isn't he? He's kind of frenetic, he moves all over the place, he does extravagant leaves, he talks to himself. You don't need commentators, because he commentates on practically every ball. He must be an infuriating person to bowl at, but my goodness, he's got his game plan sorted. He knows what to leave, what to play. He's got every shot that he needs. He gets his hands high for the pull, so Stokes went with the short balls, tactics set at him, and he dealt with that excellently. Um, he looked a bit fallible at the end of the day, though, and that will just give England a bit of hope.
0: Well, yeah. How much hope? I mean, you can see the, the day sort of un, unfurling in front of uh, you tomorrow. You, you know, Australia's game plan will be to get to 400 and then if they need to declare or if they're bowled out, whatever. And then they'll get bowling in the final session under lights, you know, try and take it close to the the second break, the T the interval. That will be their game plan. Just, you know, sit on the splice, work it around, build that first inning score and then have a go at England under lights and you know that would work out perfectly for them that's what they did last time actually against England in the Adelaide test match when they made you know 440 for 8 declared and that's what they're going to try and do again just on Pat Cummings just very briefly let's go back to Pat Cummings how unlucky is he there are only 26 cases in the Adelaide area uh, today or yesterday and he happens to come into contact with one at a restaurant anyway there we go you know it's it's the world we live in we thought he wouldn't make it through the series or we might not make it through the series because of you know, the workload because he's out of the second test and at the old familiar sight of of steve smith captaining australia up against uh, joe root again but i mean yeah labashane he, he was lucky he was he did play well he was lucky but if you drop catches well you you know that that, that that's what happens isn't it you, you know you earn that luck and i, I talk about this sort of one of the key moments of the day okay he was really badly dropped on 95 i mean it, you catch those as a wicketkeeper you you catch those you know, they really were or it really was a 100 out of 100 situation you you don't drop those ever do you really as a wicketkeeper and the one butler dropped uh, shortly before the close but the one earlier in the day it was one of the. It would have been a good catch. And he'd already taken a superb catch away to his right-hand side, but Lambeshane was dropped on twenty-one by Butler. He got what that sort down the leg side, one hand to it. It, it went down. I think, in a way, that was the sort of the more significant incident. The, the the second one will be highlighted more because it was straightforward. But if he'd taken that one, as you know, if you if your wingkeeper pulls out a great catch and, or another great catch, and what a lift it gives <clears throat> you as well, and a,
1: and a lift to his confidence yeah, too. I I don't, I, I don't totally agree with you actually, because I think that the the all right, you know, it was a great effort. The the one he dropped in in mid afternoon, uh, and that would have been a, an important catch because it would have got rid of Laboucher before he really was properly established or at least before he got to 50 the trouble with that last drop is it's so deflating you know, you've know, you almost set up your game plan for the last I don't know 30 overs or so England were getting through the overs as quickly as they could so they could get to that new ball so they could bowl 10 overs with the new ball under lights which was obviously the game plan if you felt you were going to be out there all day that was the perfect scenario to get those 10 overs with the second new ball at Know, at that period, when, when the light had gone and the floodlights were on, and you've got the two crackerjack bowlers bowling, and the ball is doing something, and really giving you hope, then you get that edge, and you think Labuschagne's gone, and we can get at a new batsman, either a tail a tailender like a Night Watchman, or you know the number four or five. You can get at the, the the next player and put them under real pressure, and that gives the team huge lift and optimism. And that catch goes down, and that that the whole of your kind of Strategy for the last twenty-five overs is scuppered.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying that was not an important moment. I'm not saying it's not a deflating moment to, to drop a catch like that. I mean, you know, how, how much Josh Butler be feeling this evening? You know, he he knows that he, it, you know, it's an error that you just should not make at at this level. Of course, it is. But if he pulled one out earlier, then I think mm. how, how much of a lift that would have given to England. Mushane was on twenty-one at the time. It was just into the the afternoon session. It was catchable. I mean, you got you know, he got a full glove on it, and it went down. And, and I just felt that, that was oh, that was also quite a deflating moment because you know, it was one of those days when mm. you know there weren't that many chances. You know, there, I mean, England. You know, Labuschagne was dropped twice, and there was one one other catch that was taken by Butler, a really good catch to get rid of of Harris. But apart from that, you know nothing. There were no other drops in the day. There were no other chances. There were no run out chances. Nothing at all. So I, you know, I just thought if that had been taken, it would, what a lift mm. that would have given England to get rid of Labuschagne, you know, fairly early on, uh, just after lunch. But you know, clearly, you know, clearly you, that, it is deflating that that second drop catch. I mean, it, it was remarkable, really. It was one of those. When I was watching, I was actually commentating at the time, and you thought, yeah, he's dropped that. But there was little reaction. There was a sort of sense of almost a sense of fatalism from england actually in that last session they they went past the outside edge quite a lot and there's almost no reaction now, i remember there was one from chris wokes and i thought has he played a mist at that and you saw the replay yes he had i think steve smith because there was no reaction from butler root or or wokes he's just like oh well there's another one just walk back to your mark
1: I think you can get like that on days when you do beat the bat and nothing happens. And, you know, there were other bizarre instances, like for instance, when Warner went for a reverse sweep and it, it, the ball bobbled off his shoulder and nearly rolled under the stumps, but it missed. And, you know, there were a couple of other kind of, you know, shots into the air, just over fielder's heads and things like that. I think you start to begin to believe when you get towards the end of a day like that, that it's just not going to be your day. And you'll resigned to every time you beat the bat, you know, it's not going to get the edge. It's, you know, every time you make the ball move, it's not going to get a wicket. You become kind of quite negative in a way in your in your body language and your expectation. You just want a new day to start. And actually, we'll come on to this, but I think you know luck, luck might turn and England might have the better of the second day, which is how why I'm going to uh, sort of predict a, a slightly better day for England next uh, tomorrow. Although it couldn't be much worse, could it? Going back to the start of the day, um, selection wise, firstly a real. Tricky one for England. And we, we've talked about this on the, the preview podcast before already. Um, it was a warm afternoon. It, the pitch was dry. Uh, whereas it's been damp at, at times in previous Adelaide day-night test matches before the start of play. Um, not picking leech, I can understand that. Although actually Root found some spin. And not picking Wood as well. Uh, again, I can understand that. Because he hasn't played back-to-back test matches very often, if ever and i felt it was a pitch and a circumstance where you wanted those skill highly skilled bowlers but rather than just out and out pace but actually England could have done with Wood and possibly Leach. Yeah, I think. They, you think? Well, I
0: think they could have done with with Wood today, definitely. Just someone to sort of get the the batter's beans going. And, and Stokes did it to, to a certain extent. In a way, Stokes played the Wood role or tried to play the the Wood role. You know, banging it in almost like a body line field. It was like going back to nineteen thirty three. you know, a field that was sort of relatively legal. Well, no, the field that is legal these days, where it wouldn't have been. Um, sorry. Um, Yeah, going back to almost like a body line field, obviously you can't have the same field as as body line because of the restrictions on fielders behind square on the leg side. But, you know, he was banging it short. He had a 6'3 leg side field, you know, with a a short leg in and, you know, a a leg slip. And, you know, it it was a lot of short stuff. And... Some of the comment was that well Stokes is a good enough bowler to bowl in an orthodox fashion as well, but it was almost like yeah you know, he was he was playing that enforcer role. But I mean you definitely saw at the Gabba, admittedly on a bouncier you know greener bouncier pitch, that Wood got the batter's beans going. He definitely definitely did with Warner. You know he really troubled. Warner there, but yeah, this thing you know, can they can he put back-to-back games together? I mean, having said that, they had a six-day rest. It's not as though it's like three days quick turnaround. You know, there was six days between England's defeat at the Gabba and this one. And Wood is that point of difference. And I I think he, I think the point is he bowled really well at the Gabba. It was a real confidence booster for him. He picked up three wickets. He could have had more. He he made it difficult for Australia's batter. So so England's attack today was, you know, it was skillful. Uh, but it was it was a bit samey. Only Stokes mm-hmm. was that point of difference. You know, I, I mean, I you know, you, you know my feelings. I, I think they should have played, the, the, uh, you know, a five seamer attack at the Gabba. <coughs> I, you know, I, I really do. And. and they they've done it here but there is, there is some turn for root, a little bit of turn mm. for route, and, and this and first bounce. day I'm banks, yeah and you just wonder whether Nathan Lyon on you know if he's got something to work with on the final day of the match or late on the fourth day whether he could cause some problems again uh, for England mm. you know now his confidence is up after taking his 400 test match wicket. so you know batting last chasing a total I d- I don't think it's going to be that easy against Lyon that's really projecting ahead
1: but you know it's going to be hot tomorrow warm throughout the game sunny could be tricky mm. definitely Of course, you know, everyone will say, well, how do you get Wood into the team? How do you get Leach into the team? Uh, Who who misses out? And I think Anderson and Broad definitely had to play this test. And certainly Broad looked good in that first spell against Warner. He actually only bowled seven balls at Warner in his first opening spell. Warner managed to, to not face him too much. And he nearly got him out twice in those seven balls. So England kind of probably could have given Broad another couple of overs, I reckon, in that early spell, but he did tire a bit towards the end. Um, I thought his pace was down a little bit. Uh, Anderson, you know, did, did well. So who would have missed out if Wood had played? Well, I guess actually I quite like Mark War's suggestion on commentary that Robinson was the guy who might have missed out because although he bowled superbly, he was probably the pick of the bowlers at, at the Gabba. He has that slightly uh, coasting sort of style of bowling where he's he's like he's very similar to Wokes, Anderson and Broad. Wokes has to play because he gets a, you know, otherwise Robinson's batting at eight, and you can't have that. So Wokes gives the batting a little bit more depth, and then you've got Anderson and Broad. So do you need Robinson as well in this Test match? Wood could have possibly played instead of him and given England another ingredient. It would have been harsh on Robinson, but the feeling is that he bowls within himself a bit, and he's a bit similar to Anderson and Broad. So You don't necessarily want all three and wokes all together. And that would have been a way of of certainly getting a, a different aspect to the attack, wood in, and then obviously you can talk about leech as well, but I felt at least Wood would have, would have added something, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that Wood would have added something. But the, the thing about Robinson is that he's been England's best bowler this year, hasn't he, really? Or, you know, in the, in the summer and, you know, bowled really well at, at the Gabba. So, you know, it would have felt harsh to leave him out. Yeah, I, yeah I, I did think today he looked a little bit, I don't know, flat, whatever. I mean, he was tidy, but there, there wasn't quite that zip, that threat, whether it was the pitch, you know, uh, whether it was the fact that, you know, he has just come off another test match. Um, you know, and he's not—he's not bowled stacks and stacks of overs in, in the build-up. Got those sort of miles into his legs. I, I, I'm not sure, but. Yeah, there was a bit. There was a bit of sort of sameness, flatness about England's bowling. But it was a very attritional day. I mean, Eng- England sort of sat in quite defensive fields, and Australia said, right, okay, we're just prepared to bide our time. You know, so much so that Labuschagne, you know, didn't try to get his hundred before the close. I mean, after he was dropped, he said, right, I say, I'll, I'll just come back tomorrow. I'll wait. I'll wait for a bad ball. If it doesn't come, I'm happy to bat forever. And you know, it, it does feel actually. Uh, with Marus Labashain. He hasn't scored an Ashes 100 yet, but it does feel like he's been batting against England forever. I mean, he's, he's had such a great time against them uh, so far in his Test career.
1: Well, if you're tucked up in bed on a cold winter's night in the UK and obliged to try and prize yourself awake to follow the Ashes with one of these 4am starts, it's a struggle, isn't it? Well, here's a solution to the process, Mission Teas. Mission have created a new range of 100% natural performance teas to provide something we all need more of, sustainable energy. They've become a favourite with professional athletes, including some of the England team. Maybe Joe Root drank the energised blend at the tea interval today. I've certainly noticed the difference in my energy levels after drinking some of that. Anyway, whether you're following the Ashes Down Under or not, we think you'll love what Mission offers, so we partnered with them to give you, the listeners, 20% off your next order. All you need to do is head to missionuk.com, discover the teas you need to fuel your day using Mission's handy quiz, whether you're looking for better energy, enhanced performance or boosted recovery, and enter the code CRICKET20, all one word, at checkout. That's cricket20 at missionuk.com. I guarantee you will definitely feel better on those early morning starts. Did you pick up, I don't know if you were on commentary when uh, Warner was batting against Broad in the the first session, but uh, apparently there was a a little word exchanged. Broad said to Warner at the non-striker's end, what guard are you taking today, middle, off or leg? Uh, As a little uh, reference to Warner's terrible issues against Broad in 2019, where he did actually... Take three different guards in three different test matches to try and combat Broad's threat, and had obviously failed miserably. I love just little little asides like that, though. Just a cheeky little comment like that. Warner actually didn't look great, did he? I mean, he he struggled at the start, as he did, in fact, at, at the Gabba, and it did make you think. Oh God, if only Broad had played at the Gabba to start with, and bowled a, you know a long spell, he could easily have got rid of Warner, and then the 90 there and the 90 here may not have may not have featured so you do feel england have got their selections wrong but it's it's such a difficult situation isn't it with no practice matches proper practice matches and the rain interfering with those and no proper cricket for guys like broad for several months it it, it is a very un, unexpected and difficult circumstances have had to pick these teams
0: well, yeah, unique circumstances, definitely. Warner was 20 not out at lunch, and 11 of the first 17 overs at England Bowled were maiden. so it just shows you how, how hard it was uh, for, the, for the top order today. Uh, Harris sort of a bit of a strangle down the leg side. I mean, they did have a leg slip in uh, for Harris, but it, it wasn't actually that good a delivery from Broad. It was sort of, it was a bit way down the leg side. I mean, he could have just stayed inside the line of it, but he went after it and, and gloved it through to the keeper. And that was four for one in the eighth over, and Australia was sort of going nowhere. They'd won what seemed like a, a good toss, forty-five for one at lunch. Very, there's a phrase out here, un-Australian. Uh, which refers to all sorts of things. Now that's un-Australian, mate. And actually, in a, in a way, today Australia's batting was a bit un-Australian. You know, it was the sort of it's not the batting we've become used to, especially with someone like David Warner at the, at the top of the order. But you know, Labuschagne is a sticker, isn't he? He's pre- he's prepared to to grit it out, and he and he did today. I mean, if, if if Dom Sibley was 95 not out off 270 balls at the end of a day's play in England with 200. 21 for two i wonder what we'd have been saying you know i mean i'm sure you know some of the australian commentators have been climbing into him and actually what was interesting at the close of the day's play and my colleague henry ram was down on the outfield uh ready to do the post-match interviews and he said as labashane was blocking it uh, in those last that last half an hour quarter of an hour whatever people say every time he blocked him people were saying, boring boring and when he walked off at the end you know, you, you know normally if you walk off 95 not out in an Ashes Test match, you know, the ground stands and applauds. But everyone just turned and left the ground, turned their back and, you know, out the stadium, heading for their cars and whatever, walking back over the bridge, over the River Torrens. And there was a few applauding down by the dressing room. But it wasn't sort of that rapturous reception that you normally get when you when you come up. But I bet, you know, I, I bet he's done a decent, really good job for his side, you know, to build the foundation.
1: Yeah. And the, the wicket of, of Warner... Uh, which was dismissed, he got dismissed on 95. I think our our previous guest in the virtual cricket club claims credit for it, Michael Hussey. He was with us uh, the other night, previewing the, the second test and he was on commentary at the time and he pointed out uh, when warner had got to 91, oh, you know, he only needs nine more for 100. And Shane Warne was also on commentary, who, who of course, got out for his highest test score was 99. So he's got this kind of neurosis about batsmen in the 90s and he hates any commentator mentioning it. So he was like, oh, Huss, don't mention that. Don't mention the 90s. Don't mention, you, Huss, Huss, like that. And of course, four four runs later, Warner slaps a short ball straight to cover and he's out for 95. So Hussey was virtually banned from the uh, Australian commentary box. Very pro-Australian commentary box, one has to say. Uh, The Fox... Commentary, which has no English member. Uh, well, I, I say that it has Ishagooher, but no male English former test player or anything until Michael Vaughan makes his entry. So it is very biased, uh, but it's quite funny. H- Hussey kind of getting the wicket for England. There, I, I told you he was he was the nicest guy in cricket, didn't I? He's uh, not only did he get up at five a.m. for our virtual cricket club, but he's helped us get the wicket of Warner. But that just brought in um, Steve Smith, and I thought. Um, the, the, the response, you talk about the, the, the way the Australian public um, receive their heroes or ignore them in the case of Lavochain, perhaps, but Smith got a really big ovation as he walked out. And it reminded me a little bit of the story about Don Bradman walking out at Adelaide in 1946, I think it was, uh, straight after the war. The hero, you know, the great Donald Bradman returns to his home ground, Adelaide, uh, went fantastic moment and um, massive and it was just before the end of play as well it was sort of in the evening session and it was all you know people were absolutely riveted to watch Bradman packed house and all that and it was bowled first ball by Alec Bedser. so I was kind of thinking oh that'd be a good little one to achieve for England and no sadly it didn't happen well yeah,
0: he, he, he dug in, didn't he? I mean, he, he's taking no liberties it's a bit like Labuschagne, It's almost like they saw sort of two brothers batting. I mean, Labochane's mm. sort of imitating he's he's almost gone past Smith in his quirkiness now. But he actually has. what I what I noticed when, when Smith came in, there were there were some England supporters at the far end in, in front of the scoreboard, and I think they started to boo and the Australian supporters responded by giving you know by giving him a rapturous reception. They sort of drowned out the the relatively small number of, of England supporters at the Adelaide Oval today. Yeah, and he was a huge rock. Oh, and yeah, it was a crescendo. Gradually, sort of they, they responded to the crescendo, and, and you know, Steve, Steve Smith made his way to the middle. And uh, well, he, he's still on for that hundred uh, yards that we predicted in our, or well, I predicted in our, in our preview. Um, after you said that, you know, he's, he's, he's really struggling with his technique since he was hit. well he's averaged, 30, you know,
1: since yeah. since um, Labuschagne's come into the team and been a regular member at number three, Smith's only averaged thirty uh, in Test cricket in the last like year or two. Uh, which is which is interesting compared to his overall average of 60, Labuschagne's average is 60 himself. And Smith has said publicly that he almost prefers coming in when the situation is tricky or difficult, and less so when the, the, the Aussies are on top. And you could see him actually in the dressing room expending so much energy before he came out to bat, fidgeting around, doing exercises, doing shadow batting, flexing his shoulders. He's a totally restless individual. I reckon he's exhausted almost before he goes in. And that, that's the trouble if you're someone who is hyperactive like that. You just want to get out there. And the more you stay in the dressing room, the kind of more exhausted you become. Tell us about, just for a minute, just going away from the actual cricket itself. I mean, my view is that Adelaide Cricket Ground is possibly the greatest cricket ground in the world now. Tell us about your impressions of it. You know, you walk to the ground from the hotel across the Torrens River. You know, to, to just give us a little sense of what you thought of it, what do you think of the environment? Oh, it's a great place to go, It, it, it really is. I mean, it's a great social occasion
0: for, you know, for the locals. Uh, there's a a big area behind the Sir Donald Bradman Pavilion where people meet up and you know all sorts. It's of, like a
1: garden party, isn't it? Almost.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and there's the uh, sort of the ivy on the back of the stands. A bit like Wimbledon. So, it, it, and then the, these, these new stands that they've built and they, they're very impressive. I mean, it, it's sort of AFL orientated, AFL money. They you know, redeveloped the ground. You can't see the cathedral now from the commentary box, so that's been blocked out. But there's you know a wonderful new stand away to the right hand side. But they've still got the grassy bank at one end and the old scoreboard so you've got the juxtaposition of the of the old scoreboard that was you know there years and years ago and and then and the new screen right next to it so sort of ultra modern with all the replays on and all the, you know all the sort of the sort of digital information up on the on the screen and yeah and a and a really good crowd in today i mean it was like 32,000 the restrictions mean it was it, the capacity was 35,000 i think 60% uh, ground capacity because of the, the covid restrictions and it's just a lovely buzz to the buzz to the ground you know day night game it's all be, it's it's all it's almost become traditional already. They haven't played it for many years, but I mean, everyone thinks now that the Adelaide Test Match is the, the Pink Ball Test Match. I suppose one thing you could say is that you know, test matches are quite social occasions, so you, what you don't have is that evening to go out and you know, drink and eat with, with colleagues, friends, or whatever. So that, you know, there's that side of it. But in, in terms of, of the ground itself, it, you know, it's, it's magnificent. I think they've done it really well. And, and also today, another feature... Uh, new on the ground today was the Keith Bradshaw bell. Keith Bradshaw, who was with the MCC, and he, uh, you know, really made a thing of, of, of past players, whatever, ringing the five-minute bell. And he sadly died, uh, you know, a, f- a few uh, weeks months ago. And there was a Keith Bradshaw bell today, and his, his family were there, and they they rang the five-minute bell. So that was you know a very poignant. moment. so just little things like that, just just lift the Adelaide Oval as all. Above most other grounds, everyone will have their their favourite ground. I, I, the one thing you say today is the cricket you know, wasn't that thrilling. It was extremely attritional. The old sort of arm wrestle day, and Australia were sort of just beginning to push England's you know arm to the to the table uh, by the end of the day's play, and they'll, they'll you know they'll look to really whack it down on the table. Uh, tomorrow, But you, you think, you're a bit more optimistic about England's chances. So we, what you need to do is predict your, your closer play score uh, for yeah.
1: tomorrow. Yeah, OK. Well, um, you're one up in our predictions, aren't you, so far after the first test? Um, well, I, I'm going to say that by the end of tomorrow's play, um, England will be 120 for three. And I, I can see the table turning a little bit tomorrow because England were unlucky today. I thought they bowled pretty well. They'll learn a bit from that last session. I thought they bowled a, in the last 10 overs with the second new ball. I thought they bowled a tiny bit too short. Uh, and they could have just pitched it up a bit more and they made the, could have made them play a bit more. But I think they'll have learned from that. And tomorrow in the first session, with the new ball still reasonably hard, I reckon they'll still get that movement. They'll perhaps just pitch it up a bit fuller and take some wickets and, in a way, compensate for the bad luck and the couple of misses today. I reckon they'll get into Australia and bowl them out for a reasonable score, something under 400, and then get get batting. And I think with Australia now, without Cummins and Hazelwood, they'll be less potent and therefore England will get past 100, only three down. What do you say? Okay. Well, I've written down 79
0: for two as the closer play score tomorrow. I, I think Australia will touch 400 tomorrow, whether they'll go really big. Um, I mean, remains to be seen, and you, you, what you often see in a situation is like this: is a team do disintegrate on the second day, especially when it's really hot as well. And there is the prospect of you know of Australia going to tea and then pulling out or being bowled out for that over that four hundred mark, and then even having a tricky spell. But yeah, it, it, it is not the strongest Australia. Team. It's still pretty good. I mean, Richardson and Nisa are you know two. Good deputies. I mean, you know, good as mm. me. They're playing for Australia. You know, who, who would be surprised at that? But the, you know, they are they are relatively inexperienced. One's making his debut. The other one's only played uh, two Test matches. So they've sort of got to carry the attack a bit. And there's Mitchell Stark but stark has got a great record with with the pink ball. He's taking more pink ball wickets than any other bowler in the world. And they've got the canny Nathan Lyon and Cameron Green as well. So. You know there, there are still decent options for uh, Steve Smith, Australia's standing captain uh, for this game. So to me, if yeah, I, I feel Australia will sort of inch forward tomorrow. I think they'll get over 400, and England will be yeah 79 for two at, at the close of play. And it might take that actually if they're batting under lights, to only be two down uh, by the close of play. So I mean that perhaps might even be a bit optimistic. I mean the, the, I mean the dread for England tomorrow is Australia just have party time. You know they can just. Play at will, sort of late on, in, you know, in, the, in that second session, and then you know they they take three or four wickets with the with the pink ball under the lights. I mean that you know that's worst case scenario. And then after two days, England are sort of really staring down the the barrel of defeat, as they were a little bit really after two days at the Gabba.
1: Don't anyway, be depressed. That... It's not going to be like that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and you you just need to remember tomorrow with forty mm. degrees uh, predicted to get your slip slap slop on.
0: Yeah. You're, you're right. It's, it's definitely a day to be in the air conditioned commentary box today. Bizarrely, actually, it was, it was actually quite cold today because the, they, they sort of centrally controlled <laughs> air conditioning. I mean, that's, it's weird, isn't it? It's a lovely, glorious day. You know, actually, I had to put my jumper on for the final session. It, you know, it, was, it was that cold. Anyway, um, I'm sure it's much colder back in the UK. Uh, not, not, I mean, not a grip, not a gripping day today. Sort of interesting day, a sort of real, a real sort of purest day in a way. Um, probably, you know, we want a bit more action, um, and, and and it needs England to sort of really join in as well to sort of somehow fight their way back into the Test match and, and sort of you know bring a real sort of competition uh, to this Ashes series. So we've had what four, five days now in this Ashes series, and four of them have been won by. Australia and if you know if they go on and win another one tomorrow, emphatically you you can see them being two-nil up uh, going into Melbourne and the chance to you know. Close out the ashes in. Go Melbourne and take
1: and some. Look, go and take some happy pills. All right, or, or go <laughs> but, to
0: bed or something. You know. Well, I think it, it is. It is time for. It is time for bed, Yosser. It's what is coming up to about midnight here. Um, but that you know, it, it, that's the re- that's the realistic situation, isn't it? And I'm sure lots of people listening to this understand that. You know, that it's a decent Australia side in their own conditions against an England side that. You know, a little bit flawed and, you know, missing a bit of pace as well. You know, someone like Joffre Archer, well, and certainly Mark Wood from this
1: match. But then that's their own fault because they they could have selected him. There we go, Yoz. Yeah, well, we'll be back with, um, hopefully, better news tomorrow. Speak to you then.
0: (laughs)